name is Paul Perkins, and this is my wife, Manessa. We uh, celebrated 30 years in May. Amen. Amen. 30 years of, yeah. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it all out. Amen. <laughs> um, I was uh, traveling on Neighborhood Bible Time in the summer of 89. And uh, last week of the summer, it's a vacation Bible school program that used to be based out of Boulder, Colorado, and uh, traveled with some guys from Fairhaven, uh, the Zagrobsky twins. I think they were with me that summer. Does that sound familiar? Uh, From folks from Fairhaven. Anyway, uh, last week of the summer, supposed to go to Puerto Rico. I was all excited, going to go visit an island, country, state, whatever they are, and uh, they canceled. And uh, some little church in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, called up. I couldn't find it on the map. I was all discouraged <laughs> and ready to just cut and run, finish the summer out. And uh, there was a piano player I needed to meet. And so, hallelujah. It's amazing how God works. She was supposed to not be able to be at VBS that week because of some things going on in her life. And they all got canceled on Friday before the Saturday meeting when we started. And so she played the piano for me, and four weeks later, I proposed. No way we're letting her get away, amen? Somebody else might ask her before I got there. <laughs> so that's it. I don't suggest that for every family. There's a lot to the story prior to that, and since it's not family camp, I won't go into all those details. But anyway... Uh, That was in August of 89 and proposed in September, and uh, we were married in May. (laughs) Amen. And uh, we served as a youth leader, song leader, choir director, bus captain, driver, you name it. Of course, the church was a lot smaller at that time in different location than we are now. And uh, uh, the Lord came along in March of 95 and said, I want you to go to the mission field. And so we... I didn't know, you know, I'd heard all this preaching, you know, God's calling, you got to go, you got to go, the the world's dying, you got to go, so, okay, here we go. I didn't realize how hard it was for a missionary to get to the field. You got to call all these pastors, and they don't ever call you back, and I never get asked to preach at a preacher's meeting twice, because I preach against lying preachers. (laughs) Leave your name and number, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. I know there's a little gray area with that soon as possible statement, but never is soon, not as soon as possible, I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. So uh, <laughs> uh, the Lord really worked some amazing things. And, and, and this is introduction, and I'm just trying to work my way into being here and get my mind off of staring at the highway and holding a steering wheel. And uh, it, I believe to see is all about faith, and we're going to look at that in Psalm 27 if you want to turn there. Um, but uh, the Lord's worked that out in my life in a few different ways and a few different times, and one of those areas was in missions. So before we read, let me finish. My wife and I, we've been married for 30 years. We couldn't have children for seven years. We prayed, asked the Lord for them. My wife ran a daycare first at the church and then out of our home, so we had a minivan, we had a house full of toys and no kids, they all went home at five. That's actually not a bad thing, (laughs) that's just a joke. (laughs) 
I do have some kids here. I don't want them to get hurt feelings or anything, amen. The other ones are older, so they know me well enough by now. Anyway, so uh, we went to the mission field and adopted our first child. Um, uh, the way the Lord worked everything out, Becky was our first one. And uh, she was in an orphanage in Iloilo City, and a missionary uh, friend of ours put us all together. The Lord worked out all the details over time. Everything got taken care of. But uh, we got her as soon as we landed in the country, and uh, we were under-supported. We were going to get her, come back to the States, and finish deputation. And we got there, and the lady running the orphanage was shutting it down. She said, well, I was afraid to tell you the whole story. You can't take her out of the country, but I was afraid you wouldn't take her if you knew that. So we had a choice of what are we going to do. So my wife stayed with a, a, a mutual missionary friend of ours. I went back to get all of our police stuff, uh, clearances and background checks and tax pay, everything for an adoption. All this stuff, scrambled to have some meetings really quick and then got back to the Philippines as soon as I could. And uh, the Lord brought our support up while we were in the Philippines. Most missionaries can't say that, but hallelujah, it worked for us. I was thrilled because I didn't like making phone calls, and uh, I'm, I'm not probably not, I'm probably a little better of a people person than your pastor is, but I'm right in there, okay? <laughs> now, he's joked about it a lot when he was with us, so I'm just going by and thinking that he's still joking that way, so I took a little step of faith there, amen. <laughs> if I got you in trouble, I'm sorry. You can tell me I have to come back tomorrow night or something, but anyway, um, so uh, I was thrilled the way the Lord worked it out. So anyway, we got Becky. Nine months later, Ellie was born, and we had our first natural-born child. And the sister sprayed for brother. We got Timothy. We've called him T-Bone since Brother Tussie nicknamed him. My father-in-law was well-known along the Gulf Coast. He was uh, 26 years in the Air Force, uh, retired master sergeant, and uh, England, Alaska twice, and you know how it is in the military, points in between, and um, knew everybody. And uh, anyway, he nicknamed our oldest son. He's at Bible College in Ohio at Massillon Baptist College, where our former pastor that was there in 2001, Pastor Decker, is the dean of the college. And uh, so it's a blessing. We're going to leave here and take the uh, short trip home by way of Ohio. (laughs) So we're going to go see our son in college and uh, then head back down. But anyway, had a son, and he wanted a brother, so Ethan came along. We have Ethan. There you go. Mr. Personality, thank you, Ethan. All right, good. He's 15 going on 18, like most 15-year-olds, and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, so he is away from friends and basketball and all those wonderful things that he does. And uh, anyway, and then along came Tessa May. We have an 8-year-old in our house. Amen. So she don't want to stand up. I won't embarrass her too much. Just give her a few illustrations during the week. She always loves that when I uh, do that. She's young enough and doesn't get mad and bitter and angry and all that yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to see how much you guys will take me serious as we go along. And so everything is turning out well so far. <laughs> Amen. Y'all are passing the test with flying colors. Amen. So uh, the Lord has, has been gracious. He's been so good. And uh, I've been involved in ministry somehow since I was, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, born on whatever day of the week and in church the next Sunday, and that's how it always was. Dad was a pastor, and uh, then he was a church planter, so all around New England, uh, planting four different churches, and uh, when the pastor resigned, we went with him, so I 
Never knew what it was like to be in a church without a pastor. Never knew what it was like. And uh, well, it was always the pastor because he was dad. And then we went down to Ocean Springs, and uh, my wife and I surrendered to missions on a Tuesday night. The next Sunday, our pastor resigned. That was a shock. So the men came and said, you know, we want you to be the pastor. Would you pray about it? I, I've already been called to the Philippines. Sorry. So we went through the process of staying over that summer and holding off on deputation until Pastor Decker came, helping the church, and then he came, and we kind of met passing. But Pastor Decker had a heart for missions and really built a missions program up at Grace, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, he was a tremendous, he led a uh, sending church for a missionary family in a, in a wonderful way, and uh, we're so thankful for that. So we went to the Philippines 12 years of missions work, and then the Lord brought us back to the States. And uh, I'll tell you this, I'd rather be ministering in the Philippines than in the U.S. I love America. I'm proud to be an American. But I know this, I can go down to the colleges, the universities, the military, police, you name it, any federal, any government institution, and walk in there and say, I am an RVO, I am a religious volunteer officer, and I would like to teach moral values. And I have a textbook. I'm going to give everybody here a copy of the textbook. Okay. All over the country. I have preached to thousands of troops, police officers in stations all over the country, universities, colleges, high schools. If you can think of Rizal National High School, 50,000 students. They don't have enough money to pay the instructors for moral values, and it's required by law for moral value instruction to take place in every public institution like that. Guess what? I was a little busy. <laughs> I had a great time. I mean, the Lord, the Lord was just blessing. It was, it, it was tremendous. The, the number of souls that were saved, the, the lives that were touched, we're still on Messenger and Facebook with a lot of people over there, and uh, I'll have people... Uh, send a friend request. You preached in, in youth camp when I was 14 years old. I surrendered to the ministry. I'm still pastoring a church today. I'm like, wow, Lord is good. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it's just a blessing. And then I came back to America, and, uh, man, American churches, there are some good ones. There's a remnant. Thank God for it, but there's not a lot. And there sure does need to. There needs to be some more churches just like this, just like Grace and Ocean Springs. And uh, I believe, really, that's going to happen by God raising up families in churches like this and you all sending them out to either replant or plant. Now, let me tell you, this is just what God's doing in Ocean Springs. Brother Zeb was my assistant for seven years, and he was teaching the adult Sunday school class, and I could tell the Lord was working on his heart. And uh, we began to have some conversations. He said, the Lord's got a ministry. I need to go replant churches. Well, his family got nine kids, and they're faithful, doing everything in the church. And, and they're not the ones you want to send out, but that's the one God calls. And so you got to send them out. And so they went off down to Tampa, Florida area, and uh, they're replanting a church down there. And, and the Lord's blessing that work. And then uh, Brother Avery came off the field, and... and uh, he was a member of our church. He was in the Philippines, went to start a church in Quitman, but there's still stuff going on there. The, 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 door, the Lord wouldn't allow that to com, uh, complete. So we got to talking and praying, and there was a church in Sulphur, Louisiana. It was about to close its doors. And a handful of people in the church said, we don't want our church to shut down. 
So we sent the Avery family over, and they've replanted the church, running 100, and then two hurricanes went through on them this year. And uh, so our church and, and other churches along the ghost, uh, Gulf Coast, we sent all kinds of supplies over, got their roof taken care of, and uh, praise the Lord. Uh, but that's how it's got to be. It's got to be churches like this, and uh, it, it, God's going to call folks, and you've got to be willing to go, and you've got to be willing to surrender. You've got to walk by faith. Part of this believe to see is not just seeing a good service or seeing God bless you in your home right here and, and God bless you in your work and God bless your finances and all of that. But what about God blessing the multiplication of this church body, not just here in this location, but around the country and around the world? Every pastor I know that has a heart to reach the, the world and impact his community and his area for the Lord, that's going to be a part of the plan. Thank the Lord for that. So, uh, Psalm 27, my church knows that I, I love introductions. Amen? That's like my favorite thing. Uh, Pastor Decker, he closed four, five, six, eight times. He loved the closing. So, I'm the opposite. And so, uh, when I say we're going to be done, uh, you know, you can just start packing up because it's going to be real soon. But uh, what, don't, don't get disheartened when you don't hear number one, okay? And the other side, I, you're... You don't have to bring the popcorn to church when I preach, okay? <laughs> Steve, my brother, now that's another story. <laughs> I didn't know this until later. My dad told me, he said, uh, we were in on a furlough, and God had called Steve to preach. My dad invited him down to preach for him. And uh, so I was like, you know, we came in. Like, dad, how'd it go? Steve preaching. My dad just had this little blank expression. I was like... God calls Steve, you know, Steve's that baby of the family, you know, they're just going to do it, bless God. Nobody's going to tell him. And so, <laughs> now listen, we've all got our stuff. I got second child syndrome. You got your stuff, amen. And so, we don't have to, I, I'm not picking on my brother. I'm just sharing the stuff, amen. <laughs> How many second children we have in here? All right, praise the Lord. See, we've got an excuse, a justification. It's called second child syndrome, amen. So don't blame us. It is not our fault. <laughs> that is a joke, everybody. All right, good. <laughs> when Brother Gary, when you were there in 2001, there was a family that visited the church. And a uh, little boy running around the back, and I'm sitting there looking. And so anyway, the family filled out a visitor card. Pastor Decker came. He's like, hey, let's go visit this family. All right, let's go. So I went along with my pastor, and we're talking along. And the more I sat there and listened, I'm trying hard not to laugh because, I mean, Anyway, this is my personality. The mom and dad had this very serious, you know, halfway concerned, halfway relieved look on their face, you know, that expression of, we did not know what was wrong with our child, and we've been to all the doctors and the counselors and the psychologists, and he was finally diagnosed. And I'm like on the edge of my seat. I mean, they really built it up. And so <laughs> this little six-year, five- or six-year-old boy had a authoritative response syndrome. I said, me too. <laughs> I can relate. My dad said, no, I didn't like it. I had a bad response to any authority in my life. My dad had an answer for that response. <laughs> the family didn't want... <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Psalm 27, if you have your Bibles. 
Psalm 20. Did I tell everything about the family? Oh, the ages of the kids. All five kids are still at home. And, um, yeah, Tim's at college. Food bill did go down. Amen? That's a blessing. <laughs> uh, yes, our 19-year-old is at college. He'll be 20 in uh, February. And Ethan will be 16 in January. Tessa will be, she just turned eight last Sunday. Amen. Yep, so she's just turning. And uh, our two oldest daughters, Becky's 24, and uh, she is in college. She is taking international business classes. Uh, most everything's taken from home. She's at a, a local college, a junior college there. And uh, ACT scores, scholarships, thank the Lord, nothing we've had to pay. They pay her to go to school, so hallelujah. And... Um, then uh, she's going to transfer over to get her, her uh, bachelor's from USA, Uni- uh, University of South Alabama. And uh, she got a job. One of the ladies in our church works out at the shipyard. And uh, they, they, this couple is the Powell's empty nesters early on. And so she decided to go get a job. And so uh, anyway, uh, she got Becky an internship out at the shipyard. So she is contracted by the Navy and uh, she does spreadsheets and looks at numbers on the computer all day long, uh, part-time, I think like 12, 14 hours a week, and everything's from home, so we're very thankful for that. She gets to earn some money and uh, take care of her stuff and have some spending money, amen, and uh, in a safe environment in our home, and uh, so we're thankful. And uh, my other daughter, Ellie, is church school secretary and volleyball coach and... um, all the kids, I'm very proud of them. They work in the ministry, uh, bus ministry, patch club, junior church, choir, specials, nursery, uh, you name it, they're involved in it, and uh, it's a blessing to, to see your children walk in truth. Yes. And uh, I wish they were perfect. <laughs> I've been working on it for years, but they're not there, and uh, any more than the rest of them, amen. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the, the children the Lord has given me, the family that he's given me, and so praise the Lord for that. Psalm 27, have you read through this chapter this, this year, brother? Is this a year-long theme? Okay, so you're going to have heard probably some of this. I didn't know. I thought it might have been the theme just for the Jubilee, so I've started stuff there, and I've got like 30 outlines, and uh, that probably explains to me why I haven't had exact peace in just staying in this chapter the whole time, but uh, Amen. Let me read the chapter. It's going to be our sounding board and uh, where we'll begin. And uh, I'm excited. Amen. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me. In his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. <clears throat> leave, me not, uh, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'll use it to speak to and to challenge our hearts this evening. Father, help us, guide our thoughts, give liberty. And Lord, as you begin to work, I pray, God, that you would help us to be obedient as you lead. Father, thank you for your goodness. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have uh, the chapter outlined in a couple of different ways and just looking at it and understanding the thought of, in my heart, as I prayed about and, and dwelt upon it, of belief to see. Uh, to me, it has a lot to do with faith. And obviously, the application of that can be run out in a lot of different directions, a lot of different angles. And uh, my preaching style, for about 20 years, I preached in prison. So most of the time when I preach, in my mind, I kind of see folks in striped uniforms and uh, lots of good stories and a lot of innocence. And so uh, bear with me as I go through all of this. Amen. Uh, but that's <laughs> what I uh, really uh, got myself involved in in ministry for many, many years and a teen, teenage, you know, youth pastor for 12 years, kind of the same thing. You know, different uniforms, but really the same mindset. And so it wasn't a, a, a difficult transition going from youth to prison. And so, <laughs> all right, young people, you're in a lot of rules and regulations at home. There's that side of it too, amen? Okay. <laughs> amen. So uh, that, that's my, my desire as I preach is, is on the... Uh, on the side of application. Uh, what can I take from this passage? What is God trying to teach me? How is that going to be helpful and beneficial to me in my everyday life? And so uh, that's, I want the Word of God to be rich. I want it to be a, an endless supply of help and comfort and guidance, instruction. And yes, sometimes rebuke and correction and all that wonderful stuff. And so as we look at it, I want to just spend some time by way of introduction for the messages to come, not just for tonight, but throughout this chapter, we see an exercise of faith. We, we see the psalmist as he realizes there's enemies around him, and he knows that God is able to bring him to the place where his head is above his enemies. Thank God for that. What is that? That's believing in his heart that we are more than conquerors. And we are able to overcome in this world. And we look at our current situation in America today, and I don't know about you, but down at Grace, we're kind of on edge about the whole thing. There's a peace in our heart. We understand God's will will be done whether we want it to be His will or not. Amen? Sometimes in my life, I wanted a different will. And God said, no, this is what you need. And so by faith... I've got to believe and follow him. 
So I don't know who's going to sit in the White House after January 20th of next year, but that's not going to ruffle God's feathers. It's not going to make God nervous. It's not going to put him on the edge of his seat saying, what am I going to do in America now? And I understand as a preacher, next year, some things that I preach could become illegal to preach. I understand, and I've run the thoughts through my head, and the scenarios have played out. What am I going to do when they say this? What am I going to do? I already know what I have to do. So there's that. We understand this. By faith, God will help, but sometimes God puts us in the fire before the help comes. So we're going to love him either way. We're going to trust him either way. We're going to walk with him either way. We're going to understand that even though it is a fire, it's there because he loves us. He has something to purify us and bring us out on the other side to make us something. What we have to do is by faith believe. Sometimes we live by sight and not by faith. What we see here is an abundance of faith throughout this chapter in the different areas as we read down through them. We see uh, in the first few uh, words of the first verse there in chapter uh, 27, Psalm 27, he said, the Lord is my light. He goes on to mention salvation, and I'll touch on that very briefly. Let me just say this. If you're here tonight and you've never settled eternity, trust me, uh, that's not going to work well for you. As a youngster, I prayed a prayer when I was four years old. Where was revival at church. This guy came in. He was hooting, hollering, running around, shouting, screaming. And uh, it, it touched my brother's heart. And uh, we went home that night after services. And, and uh, we were living in the parsonage on church property. And uh, lights out, pitch black in our room. Adam's on the top bunk. I'm on the bottom bunk. And out of the darkness, out of the pitch blackness of our room, I hear this. Paul, do you want to die and go to hell? And try sleeping after that one. My brother was a soul winner, let me tell you. <laughs> Do you want to die and go to hell? No. He said, well, I prayed tonight, and I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Okay. You got to pray too. Okay. So I prayed. Went down the next morning. Dad, I prayed. What do you mean you prayed? Adam prayed last night. He's not going to hell. He's going to heaven. He told me all about it. I prayed. I'm going to heaven too. Hallelujah. I got baptized. Well, that, that's cute and all, but the devil used that to build a case in my heart for years that kept me blinded. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of them which believe not, lest they should see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So I began to build this little case in my small little mind that I was a preacher's kid. I always went to church. I prayed a prayer. I got myself baptized. First brand new bicycle I ever owned in my life. I won it in a Sunday school campaign. God's not going to let a sinner, a lost person, win a bicycle in a Sunday school contest. I'm on my way. Tickets punched. Boom, I'm good. That's what the devil used in my life. I don't know what he'd use in your life. Why are you going to heaven? Because you're a good preacher's kid? Because you go to church all the time? The psalmist said, the Lord. Notice all those capital letters in there in the word Lord. That's Jehovah God. He's my salvation. Not my church attendance. Not my good works. 
Not my spiritual activities. Not my associations and connections and friends. Nothing in my life that I can do in and of myself will ever earn my way into heaven. It's only through Christ. Jehovah God robed himself in the flesh of humanity, came to this earth and lived amongst us and laid his life down, buried himself in the ground after he died on the cross, didn't stay in there, but arose from the grave victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And he's alive forevermore. Why? So that our sins could be forgiven. Listen. As good as you think you are. Amen? You got to make the comparison between you and God, not you and your neighbors. You ever notice when you're witness to somebody, we all as humans try to find the lowest common uh, thing that we can relate to, to compare ourselves to? Are you going to heaven? Yeah, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> Why don't they compare themselves to a, you know, a, a good citizen? Oh, no. I've never killed anybody. <laughs> Wait, that's a pretty low bar to get into heaven, don't you think? The standard's kind of way down there. All you got to do is not kill anybody. Then you must be good not. No. The Lord is our salvation. But he said before that, and that's what I want to spend my time on, is the Lord is my light. You study that in Scripture, and we understand that God's word is to be a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. So I believe we can understand from Scripture that the Lord is my light. It's no coincidence. I believe every word in this book, I understand and believe we're King James Bible. Amen. This is God's inspired word for us. Amen. And, uh, and I'm not going to belabor that point, but my, my point is this. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something to this. And I know at my church down in Ocean Springs, as, as wonderful as the church is, and listen, we have had some services bust out, go to midnight with people flooding the altar, people at home got, driving back to the church house during revival services to get saved. Amen. Teenage girl got home after service. Bunch of her friends got saved. She's walking in the house and she broke down. She said, Mom, I got to go back to the church. I am not saved. Hallelujah. Mom and dad drove her back to church 11 o'clock at night, hit the altar, boom, she trusted Christ. I've seen God do some wonderful things, but I know this, not everybody in my church is using this for their light. You know how easy it is? Sometimes it's day by day, even with those of us that are striving to use the word of God and in our walk with him, our relationship with him, as our light, sometimes it's so easy to flip over into the flesh and say, Lord, I got this. Just a minute. Been through this before. I know how to handle this situation. I know what those people need to hear. <laughs> Amen. Y'all are acting very religious right now. That makes me nervous when that happens. <laughs> Listen, it is very easy, even walking with the Lord, to step over into our flesh. It was difficult for the Apostle Paul, and I wouldn't say we would try to compare ourselves with him if we were going to do that, and he said don't, so we shouldn't, but you understand what I'm saying. My point being is this, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. I want to drill that in for the time that we have tonight. The Lord is my light. Sometimes we don't see what God sees. 
My wife and I were serving in the church. We were involved. I, I was working a job delivering bottled spring water. And uh, thank God for the income, more money than I'd ever made in my life. People down there are crazy. They just pay all kinds of money for bottled water. You, you go to the kitchen, turn it on. But anyway, I, it's, the table water is much lower down there. Uh, the, ta- the, the table where the water sits, anyway, uh, it, a lot of times they got to treat it, and so you get this sulfur smell in the water. It's soft, and uh, you, you, anyway, you guys know you live there. So uh, I understand why people buy water, but uh, I'm sitting there thinking, man, just filter it. But anyway, I don't want to tell them that. I lose customers. So <laughs> I could go into work at 4.30, be, bu- be done by noon, and go back and help in the school, preach in chapel, coach the basketball team, be all involved in the young people of the church, leading the singing. I'm working on the bus route. My wife's busy in the ministry. I mean, we didn't have kids at the time, so we're just all out seven days a week striving and serving God, seeing what we can do and the Lord's blessing. And all of a sudden he said, I want you to leave and go to the Philippines. Wait a minute. My wife's family, eight kids, four brothers, four sisters. Whole family's all involved in the church. Her dad's a head deacon and and they're all in the Christian school and all kinds of, you know, it's hard you start talking about leaving all the family. I grew up a preacher's kid, church planting. My dad didn't go out and raise support. He worked construction. Smart, smart guy. He started with Perkins and Sons Builders. I thought that looked so cool on the side of the van when I saw it until that realization set in. Four sons, no sisters, free labor. Hey, man. <laughs> You're going to work, boys. Yes, sir. <laughs> I put food in your mouth and put it. My dad was military, let me just put it that way, all right? Some of y'all will understand that right away. So, uh, you know, that was it. And uh, for the first time in my life, my wife and I don't have to figure out which bill we're going to pay first. We go to church, a missionary come in, you need to give some money. Okay. Man, I realized the meaning of that verse, it's better to give than to receive when I became a missionary. hard to receive so it takes faith God began to work on our heart we began to realize and begin to put some things together God was for me I don't I don't move real fast and so here I was at the uh, uh, in making decisions amen and uh, here I was uh, doing the, the the job there and uh, everything's all set ministry wise we're going great guns it's all good and uh I kept feeling like something's going wrong. New management came in. They switched our brand of bottled water. All of that to say this, God began to stir the waters is what I call it in my life until I stopped looking at trying to fix all the junk going on around me. And I began to just look up and say, Lord, what are you doing? And when I began to realize God was getting me uncomfortable here so I wouldn't stay there. So when it came down, here's where we were. Lord, we've read about Hudson Taylor. We've read about Iron Arm Judson. We've read about David Brainerd. We got William Carey University right up the street. We know all about the Father of Missions. Where's the modern-day faith-walking missionaries? Well, there's only one way to, to take that, to do that, to see that. You know, there's only one way. Listen, 
we had money saved up. We had enough to pay the rent and the car payment for a certain amount of time. I went into my job and I said, all right, I'm resigning. Two weeks notice. Two weeks, there's going to be a national conference on our mission board, and they're going to either accept us or reject us. So I believe they're going to accept us, so I'm quitting. We got a rental and a car payment. So I'm going to be able to pay it until we're going to move out, and by that time, hopefully, there's going to be all these meetings set. Of course, I didn't realize all the logistics behind that and all that kind of stuff I mentioned earlier. But long story short, it moved out. We got to the point. It's a Wednesday night service. We were moved out of the house last night, and then we're leaving for our first trip. We have a $100 bill. That's it. No credit card. We didn't have any debt. We're going to go on deputation. We're going to leave Mississippi. $100 will get us to Maine, where my dad was. He had promised me a meeting. That's back when gas was... 70, 80 cents a gallon, you know, quite a bit cheaper, and there's just two of us, and so we pack some food. We're only going to eat once, and we're going to drive straight through. I don't suggest doing that later in life. <laughs> Amen? When you're 26, 27, hey, what's a 20-hour ride in the car? You're in love. It's, you know, company and talk all the no. Anyway, <laughs> my wife talks, <laughs> and she tries to get me to talk, and I start to talk, and then I forget to talk, and anyway. So, <laughs> sound familiar? <laughs> so we're sitting in church Wednesday night, and one of the women in the church, prayer request. Um, my husband just lost his job and found out, expecting. We need money to go to the doctors. My wife said, what was that? Do you notice anything, hon? Hon. No, 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 that's not our money. That's for the mission. That's for the trip. That is designated funds. I shall not embezzle what is the Lord's. <laughs> I tried to make a couple statements. I got the look. The look said, you talked about faith. You're going to put your money where your mouth is? You know, we didn't have a credit card. We had $100 to get to where we were going. We gave the money. And what did the Lord do? We get a phone call. The pastor. Uh, there's a group that just came back from Romania. You know that guy you went to Bible college with and he started a gypsy church in Romania? Well, their church family of gypsies in Romania heard that you were going to start de deputation, so they took up a love offering in Romania. I actually came in the other day. I forgot to give it to you Wednesday night. It's $250. Now, that'll strengthen your faith a little bit. There's multiple times where God did great things, but what I found in my life is this. The abundance of faith is not the problem. It's taking the, faith, the, the step of faith for the realization of that abundant faith to be realized in our lives. 
There's no way for you to see what you say you believe until you take a step where everything about that step is totally and completely trusting God. It's not an easy thing to do. When there's a plan B, it's not And listen, I love plan B. I love plan C. I've got a few other letters I can bring up. Amen? I don't like to get caught off guard. I don't. I want to have it set. I want to know where we're going, what it's going to involve, how much it's going to entail, what we're going to spend. I want the whole nine yards. Amen? And then along comes the Spirit of God, sometimes in the person of my wife, and says, we need to do this. Amen. She's the giver. I'm the holder. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, hon. Anyway, as Christians for years, as a Christian for years, as one serving in the ministry, I sang about faith. I taught my teens about faith. I preached about it. I heard a lot of messages and Sunday school lessons myself. I heard about it. All about faith. But when does the faith become sight? What I found in studying scripture, faith becomes sight at the point of obedience to God. It reduces, it takes away the fear and the uncertainty when it's strict obedience. Three Hebrew lads were rescued in the, in the fiery furnace, right? Of course. But how did they get there? Because they obeyed God. And we say, wow, what great faith. They obeyed God. Study out through Scripture. How did David kill Goliath? What did he say? He, he, he's attacking the God of Israel. Who is he? We can't get Jehovah God, get embarrassed by, by his gods and, and that dude. He's nothing but a sack of flesh and bones. God's bigger than he is. So it took a shepherd boy, a young teenager, running down to the valley, grabbing some stones, throwing one in a sling and say, Lord, if you take me today, then you take me. But come what may, you are bigger, you're more powerful, and people need to know there is a cause. So who's going to be that person in 2020? Right now, it takes some step of faith to live as a child of God. I don't know about you, but, but going out and sharing our faith, going soul winning, it's a little touchy right now. Social distancing. <laughs> Note this hint of heavy sarcasm in my voice, okay? We're on the road to Damascus, amen? We don't want to wear those things. <laughs> some of you got it, amen? All right. You don't know what the other person, how they're going to react. What I'm saying is this. Maybe the Lord hasn't called you to go to the foreign mission field, or maybe he hasn't called you into full-time ministry. But let's take for a moment and set aside the source of our paycheck and understand that as children of God, every one of us are to walk by faith. Every one of us. Now, your step of faith is going to be tailor-made to you just as mine are tailor-made to me. To go to the Philippines, we moved 20 times growing up. Moving again, no big deal. For my wife, for family, for the security of that kind of stuff, yeah, that was a little bit touchy. But the Lord knew, and he began to work, and so boom, we were able to go. 
he might not call you to go <clears throat> to the foreign field. He might not call you to go and plant a church somewhere here in America. But if he wants you to help build and strengthen this church right here, guess what? This church needs soul winners. This church needs prayer warriors. This church needs Christians that will say no to the flesh and the world, no to sin and temptation, and walk in purity and holiness and righteousness and have the power of God flowing through this place, impacting this local community. God can do it. Twice in, in our churches, we, we were, our, our church is now a voting precinct. And uh, election day, the, the line was in the auditorium, down the hallway, back around the hallway, or on the whole sidewalk, all around. It was wrapped around. So we had an hour and a half in the line. We got to witness to people in front of back of us. So we're talking to this one guy, and he's a big Saints fan. He'd been traveling around the world and all that. And uh, here's what he said. Amazing thing. He said, you know, I drive by this place a lot of times, and so many times something inside me just said, you need to turn in there. You need to turn in there. And I looked at him and said, that's because that's how our church prays. We want the Spirit of God to prepare hearts as we present the gospel, whether it's in here or while we're out soul winning or at the grocery store or at the gas pump or wherever. We want the Spirit of God working and drawing and pulling. And we do that by lifting up Christ, amen, and preaching Him and being obedient on our part. And the next guy we talked to, as a teenager, he sat in the auditorium of our church. He got mad at the preacher and left and never went back to church. So I just kind of looked at him and I said, well, what do you think now? You're on the other side of the equation. He said, you know, we, my wife and I have been talking. We need to get back in church. I don't know where your step of faith is personally, but I know this it's going to feel just as big as my step of faith going to the Philippines uh, the, the step of, of any other person doing what God is leading and telling them to do. God may tell you to give financially. He may tell you to give your time. He may tell you to step and do a, a ministry. Or I don't know where God will do or how he'll work, but I know this. If as a child of God, you're walking and living by sight, you're not where you can be and enjoying the fellowship and walking in the light. I don't want to make it sound like some eerie thing or supernatural thing. It's just boiled down to obedience. Saying no to the flesh and yes to God, and it's amazing what God can do. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you'll use these simple thoughts on this subject of faith as we begin this uh, service, this series, this uh, meeting this week, Lord. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our hearts. Lord, help us to get a, a glimpse afresh and anew of, of this life of walking by faith and not by sight. And Lord, so many times the cares of this world can come in around us and surround us and wear us down and bog us down and make us anxious and concerned, angry, frustrated, agitated, depressed. So many, such a great mixture of emotions. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to weed through the things that we feel. And Lord, help us to Fix our eyes upon you and see you. And Lord, seek you, as, as the psalmist said, when you told him to seek you, he said, Lord, your face I will seek. And Father, as you lead in our lives, I pray that you would help us to be obedient. We'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.